Blackhawks live. It's a break in front of the pass. He scores! That's hockey, baby! From the downtown studios of WGN Radio, it's time for Blackhawks Live. Let's pull back the curtain, go behind the scenes of your favorite hockey team. That's what we're here for, guys, to win. Blackhawks Live. Now, here's Joe Brand with Chris Bowden. Okay, guys, show us what you got. We appreciate you Blackhawks fans understanding that our show gets moved to Tuesday nights when the Blackhawks play on Monday night, or in yesterday's case, afternoon. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. This is Blackhawks Live. Welcome in on 720 WGN. Yes, here on a Thursday night instead of a Monday night because yesterday the Blackhawks were busy in Seattle. And uh, Chris, last week we were talking about a really rough loss, but then the Hawks were able to clean things up right before our show. This week it's a little bit in the reverse order. They do some really good things throughout the week and then are unable to close out a victory in Seattle. They still get a point. But when you take on a struggling team like Seattle, you'd like to see those two points being taken advantage of. Yeah, losers of uh, nine straight. The Kraken were, what, 12 of 13? And, you know, when when we start getting into the conversation about, uh, uh, I think, Derek King's long-term outlook here as head coach of the Blackhawks, getting the interim tag replaced, these are the kind of situations that are going to have to be cleaned up uh, from here on out because, um, you know... uh, Grant, they they were in a slump when they lost that game in Arizona, and the guys got together and closed the door and decided to talk amongst themselves um, and then uh, ended up rattling off four straight wins. But when you have this kind of situation where you're gaining momentum, you're going in playing a very vulnerable team that uh, has not had any success lately, um, those are the games you really have to put your you know foot on the neck of an opponent. And... Uh, on top of that, you're looking at, what, three, four consecutive days off after that. You can complain all you want about it being a one-off trip for four and a half hours all the way out to Seattle before having to come back to Chicago. But when you've won four straight games and building a little bit of momentum, uh, those are the kind of games that uh, you really need to take care of. Good teams take care of that kind of business. And um, I don't know how many more situations they'll have like that moving forward here the rest of the season. But, you know, for the second time in the course of about 10 days, um, they lost in Arizona. They lose in Seattle. And, you know, granted, during that four-game win streak, with the exception of the victory over over Vegas that started things off, they were playing some vulnerable teams after that and uh, took care of business against them. But in order to continue that momentum, if you have any hopes of trying to get back into the race, those are the games you have to take care of. It's a fair point to bring up. It's not an excuse when you talk about the travel, but it's a point to bring up. You can bring up the COVID protocol issue, too, missing Dylan Strome, missing Kirby Doc, missing Brent Connolly due to COVID protocol. But the way the Blackhawks played for the majority of that game doesn't lead to, oh, the travel was an issue, COVID was an issue. They had a lead, if not a scoreless game, throughout the entire game until that third period when Seattle ties things up. Even when Seattle tied things up in the second period, that wasn't a really ugly goal. It just took an unfortunate bounce off of Riley Stillman. Not much that Marc-Andre Fleury could do. And then Seattle just definitely found an extra pep in their step in the third period. And that's what I was most surprised with because that's exactly what the Hawks have been doing so well over the last week and a half was really taking care of business in the third period, whether they were tied, whether they were winning, or whether they were trailing. They got the job done, and they weren't able to do that in Seattle, who was playing a little desperate and playing a little 
just more enthusiastic than the Hawks in that third period. So you're right when you bring up Derek King, and, and these things will probably be evaluated. I do feel like Derek King's message has stayed pretty consistent the entire time. He knows he's not coming in here trying to reinvent the wheel. He's trying to just get this team back to basics. Um, that still seems to be the case with this team when they do the right things. But again, you look at the circumstance against a struggling Seattle team on the road. Mark andre Fleury playing <laughs> out of his mind once again. I felt bad for him. I did too. I did too. We even and I keep bringing up how we got to see the little edgy version of Mark Andre Fleury Saturday night against the Anaheim Ducks, where he ripped off one of the Ducks' helmets and slid it across the ice. I mean, we're really getting to see all sides of Mark Andre Fleury. Um, would have been really nice to see the Blackhawks pull that out for him, but Seattle picks up their first win ever against the Blackhawks in franchise history. It's also Seattle's first shootout win. And uh, now they got three days to think about it before their next game when they host the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, and uh, this was originally a day that the Blackhawks were scheduled to be in Edmonton against an Oilers mm-hmm. team. And that, yeah, you look at what the Oilers are going through right now after the amazing start that they had that everyone was thinking, okay, you know, uh, this is the season. We finally got everything together, but here they are again struggling. And, um, uh, you know, uh, the world is ending in Edmonton right now with the way they have been going after the start that they had. So now the Blackhawks find themselves off all the way until Friday. Um, I even asked you uh, a little bit a uh, short time ago off the air whether they're practicing. Derek King's deciding, you know, to keep them off the ice tomorrow as well. Clear the straight, uh, clear the slate, clear their minds a little bit. And when you look at what's uh, coming up before our next show, which will also be next Tuesday night, you have a home game against Minnesota, uh, followed by a road game at Minnesota, back-to-back Friday and Saturday, and then they hit the road for Colorado uh, next Monday night before uh, closing out that road trip next Wednesday at Detroit. But these next three contests, you're back within the division. You're back within a couple of teams that uh, uh, play against a couple of teams that uh, – have uh, certainly uh, are, are the cream of the crop in the division, and that's what makes yesterday's loss all the more all the more painful. I know Derek King said afterwards, "Yeah, we'll we'll sneak out of here with a point. We'll take it, so they don't take it away from us." And I think uh, in saying that, he understood that the Blackhawks weren't exactly playing at their at their best level uh, yesterday against the Kraken. Um, so they'll take that point four zero and one in their last five. But uh, they step up in class here coming up uh, over the next week or so before we're on the air again with another Blackhawks Live. We're giving away another Boykey's prize pack, 312-981-7200 for the first person that can call in and tell us when was the last time Marc-Andre Fleury gave up more than two goals in a game. 312-981-7200, last time Marc-Andre Fleury gave up more than two goals in a game. Just one of the many saves by Marc-Andre Fleury last night in Seattle. He was... The number one star in a road game, as Chris Bowden was mentioning before <laughs> yeah. we started the show. And yeah, you know, I, I didn't take that into account, but uh, that's that's a good uh, showing by you there that, yeah, the road team, or rather the home team, picking the road goalie mm-hmm. in a win. Usually it's a little biased, a little weighted the other way. And uh, sometimes you look at these three stars of the game and you're like, what? Did I watch the same game here? But <laughs> some of it has to do with the with the home team call and the three stars of the game. But uh, Mr. Fleury was outstanding. Seven consecutive starts now. I imagine he'll get the call Friday night against Minnesota, especially since there's you know uh, three full days off before the Blackhawks are back in action and a 9.56 save percentage. 
Birch over the course of his last five games, number two star of the week in the NHL last week. Again, we're giving away a Boyke's prize pack, 312-981-7200, to the first person that can call in and tell us the last time Marc-Andre Fleury gave up more than two goals in a performance. Uh, he's been on fire as of late. Now that you mention it, I, I remember Seattle's Twitter account even just making acknowledgement of Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, oh, the flower came to play today, I guess. Um, but man, he's, he's just continued this dominance. He's continued, uh, this very impressive play of keeping the Blackhawks in these games. But now y- you bring up an interesting point about Fleury playing on, on Friday. Yeah, there is a back-to-back situation. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Derek King decides to do, whether, uh, when was the last time Kevin Lankinen? See, it, it was before it was before the new year because if you remember, well, it was way before then too, right? Yeah. L- Lankinen went into COVID protocol right at the new year. Then Mark Andre Fleury did as well. Kevin Lankinen, but that's the thing. Kevin Lankinen's been off COVID protocol for over a week. Mm-hmm. So I, there's actually been a few times where I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is going to be Lankinen's start. This is going to be Lankinen's start. And it seemed like it was going to happen on Saturday against the Anaheim Ducks. Okay, so now now I'm remembering it. I don't think it's more than a week. I think it's just about a week. December 18th was the last time, uh, right before the Blackhawks went into their long break due to uh, other teams having their COVID issues in the holiday break. It was that December 18th game in overtime against Dallas. So, okay, there you go. It's, it's now January. 18th, so it's over a month since Kevin Lankinen has played. Is he going to remember how to play goalie? <laughs> I think I think he will. I, I think uh, you don't lose too many brain cells just not playing for that long. But so, so this is something that Derek King has done, I think, a few times this year because he was Kevin Lankinen was available last week. Now there was an opportunity to play him against Montreal. And I was thinking, okay, maybe this is the spot to play Kevin Lankinen. And once they said Marc-Andre Fleury was going to play, okay, I guess they're saving Lankinen for Saturday's game against Anaheim. But Anaheim's the better opponent. And you'd feel like, okay, Montreal definitely struggling. This would be a perfect time to throw in Lankinen and then keep Fleury fresh for Saturday. Now here we are a week later, and Marc-Andre Fleury has goaltended all of those games. But I've always found it kind of interesting that Derek King does this because there there was a time earlier this year, too, kind of the same situation. Kevin Lankinen hadn't played in a while. He became available, but they had Marc-Andre Fleury play. And they saved Lankinen for a better opponent, and he came out and shined. Mm-hmm. And I almost figure, okay, is that part of Derek King's philosophy where you know it, it doesn't quite matter who the opponent is. And maybe that instills a little bit more confidence in Kevin Lankinen to throw him in in that situation when you have Marc-Andre Fleury available. I wish I could remember the sequence of the teams that it was back then, um, but it seems like right now he's just kind of easing Kevin Lankinen's return in between the pipes. Yeah, he'll get one of these next two games, uh, without a doubt, Friday, and it'll be also, you know... Um Something to to monitor whether whether Derek wants to go with Mark Andre right away Friday. Try to get those two points here at home in the in the uh, opener of a back to back against a very good Wild team that has you know has cooled off a bit of late. Um, but then they have you know a, a day in between those games Saturday and Monday at Minnesota and at Colorado. So um, yeah, Lincoln is going to get his opportunity here once again sometime soon. As uh, it sounds like uh, Seth Jones is going to be back in the lineup too after missing four games. We have De- uh, Dylan Strom missing three in a row, Kirby Doc missing the last three. So after this sequence of uh, practices, well, not tomorrow, but Thursday and then ahead of the game on Friday, we'll see if all three of those guys come back. And that's something that the Hawks had been doing quite well, um, even even in the Seattle game, maybe not to its fullest extent, but 
having that next man up mentality, everybody kind of contributing as much as they needed with so many players being out on COVID protocol. Jake McCabe, his first game back against Seattle yesterday, uh, probably pinched in a little bit too much on mm-hmm. the game-tying goal by Ryan Donato, um, and then that, that totally changes the game. Um, but it'll be great to have Seth Jones back. He's done so much for this team. And again, Derek King has kind of just eased these players back after coming back from COVID protocol. Now, Brandon Hagel's return was pretty quick, but I feel like Brandon Hagel's a guy you want to get in the lineup as soon as possible if he's available. The Seth Jones situation was, I think, what one who accounted of it is him flying across the country yeah. in a very short amount of time to play some maximum minutes. Yeah, I think Derek even talked about that after the game, that the, the, they didn't want to put him through that. They were you know, banking on the guys that they had in the lineup to try and take care of business against Seattle. Unfortunately, they didn't get that second point. But, you know, uh, I don't want to feel like we're, we're taking too much of a negative tone here if we're, we're looking at a glass-half-full aspect. Uh, with what's happened of late, it's good to see Dominic Kubalik in these last three games. Three goals. Uh, an assist for four points. Um, you know, Hagel, since he has come back after missing the previous three in his last three games, a couple of goals and an assist. Um, you know, uh, somebody, the, the Kraken fi- finally cooled off Riley Stillman, uh, yesterday because he had a five game point streak there, uh, over his previous contest. And, and Patrick Kane as well. He's up to an eight game point streak and it's good to see him light the lamp over the last couple. Didn't get, uh, anything behind uh, Philip Grubauer yesterday, but nevertheless got a helper on one of those goals. And it's good to see him uh, finally starting to heat up. And he had himself some interesting comments the other day when he was talking about his season. Actually, it's, it's pretty much been the course of a year because he started out like gangbusters when the season started a year ago in January, the first month, month and a half. He was on absolute fire. There was MVP. There was Hart Trophy talk. And then he just cooled off incredibly. And his shooting percentage since then is down in the 5 or 6% range uh, until he scored a couple of goals in back-to-back games before uh, being held off the score sheet with the uh, uh, exception of an assist yesterday. So uh, whether, you know, Patrick Kane here, the old man at 32, 33 years of age, whether he can get his uh, scoring touch back here uh, over the course of the rest of the season is going to be interesting to watch, too. Well, and again, this whole point of Patrick Kane not scoring is brought up and talked about so much because Patrick Kane holds his standards higher than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And Blackhawks fans have been blessed and spoiled with Patrick Kane's talent over the years. So when he's not scoring goals, questions get asked. Even though he's helping produce. Even though he's hitting five posts a week. And right now on an eight-game point streak. like He's still producing. He's still being Patrick Kane. He's just not having those finishes. Whereas Marc-Andre Fleury loves his posts. <laughs> I don't know what Patrick Kane is doing to the posts on the other end of things. So, uh, wow. Backing a stick over it, I'm sure, putting a couple dents in there. It's a it's a love-hate relationship, and just like <laughs> hockey and baseball, everything just evens itself out. So apparently the posts are evening themselves out with the Blackhawks on the defensive end and on the offensive end. Uh, Riley Stillman's five-game point streak, unfortunately, mm-hmm. came to an end yesterday. Calvin DeHaan, 14 block shots, though, over his last three games. Uh, and the Blackhawks, I believe, had 21 block shots in that game against Seattle yesterday. Uh, so still doing a lot of the right things. It's just, it can be frustrating when you can't pick up those points where need be. We've got more to get to. Anders Sorensen's going to be joining us after the news. But before that, we'll get to a quick break. You're listening to Blackhawks Live on 720 WGN. It's more so to play without the puck. I think he's learning to play, especially as a center, right? There's a lot of responsibility in the low in the zone and certain areas you have to make sure you're, you're positionally sound and I think he's making a 
a lot of uh, positive strides in those areas. Don't bring Lucas Reichel down. Well, that is what's happening right now, but it's all part of the plan, and that was the voice of Anders Sorensen, head coach of the Rockford Ice Hogs. We're going to get to him in just a moment. Really quick, we've got a caller, Eric from Woodridge, thinks he has the right answer. Eric, who, or rather, when was the last time Mark andre Fleury coughed up more than two goals in a game? It was on January 6th against the Coyotes. Hey, there we go, Eric. Congratulations. You win a Boyke's prize pack. It's better than beef jerky. It's Boyke's biltong and a hat. Congratulations. Thanks a lot. Thanks for calling in. All right, thanks a lot. That's Eric from Woodridge. We're going to keep him on hold for a minute. Now we're going to bring in Anders Sorensen, who's kind enough to join us on this Tuesday night. He is the head coach of the Rockford Ice Hogs, getting moved up once Derek King got moved up to the Chicago Blackhawks head coaching role. Anders, once again, thank you very much for joining us tonight. I know it's been a wild year for a couple of people, but definitely you especially. So along with the bump up and COVID complications, have things maybe settled down for you finally? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, it has. I think we're, <laughs> I think we're all settling in here, uh, especially after the holidays and going through with COVID with our group and myself and my family. But I think we're kind of back on track now for sure. How's the uh, how's the head coaching shoes uh, fitting you right uh, now? Since uh, Derek was called up in November, was it a little bit of a surprise? And uh, how ready do you feel you were for that? Yeah, I think it definitely was a surprise, right? I mean, when anything happens like that, I mean, you see good people like Jeremy and his staff go and, and um, you know, but, you know, in this business, we have to be ready for it. Um, yeah, I know I feel comfortable. I think I've been around the organization for, you know, I think it's seven years now in various capacities as a player development and then later as an assistant coach. And, yeah, so I feel like, you know, i got a pretty good pulse on how we want to do things. It seems like you were bumped up, too, when you were coaching in Sweden. How similar was that situation to this one, and how much did that help your role now? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, it, it did help me out a lot, actually. Uh, you know, this is eight years ago, and it's very similar. They, they, well, it wasn't similar because the coach we had at the time, they let him go, and I had to step in and take over. And, uh, you know, I was obviously younger, and it was a good learning experience. I've drawn from from that experience a little bit for sure here in the last couple of months. Well, Lucas Reichel was returned to you a couple of days ago after he got a little bit of taste of uh, of the NHL. Uh, share your thoughts a little bit about uh, his readiness for the opportunity that he got here last week and the philosophy of uh, doing this kind of in a piecemeal approach where he gets a taste of it, he experiences what the NHL level is like, and what more he needs to work on here uh, uh, at the AHL level uh, the remainder of the season if he's not called up again. I'm sure he will at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think, first of all, Lucas, he's a great kid, and he, he's just, a, you know, he's, he's so mature for his age. I have a son that's the same age, and Lucas is really mature both on and off the ice. And I, I think that, obviously, his ability to make plays at, at a at a high speed is, is very, you know, it's almost like McDavid-like. You hate to make that comparison, but he can really fly out there on the ice. He's so light on his feet. And, and the ability to make those plays at, at, while going full speed is, is something that, uh, you know, I think is very uh, exciting to watch. Um, you know, I think he was, parts of his game for sure is ready uh, for the NHL. There's parts of his game, you know, 
I think I've touched on it before, just defensively being ready, especially when you're going to play, if you're going to play as a center in the NHL or even the AHL, it's, it's probably going to handle those down low battles. And I think he's made a lot of positive uh, strides in those areas. And it's for us, it's just, uh, for him, it's just a matter of finding, you know, the right amount, like how he's going to be able to defend. You know, he, he's, he's, you know, he's going to have to defend with his feet. He's going to defend with his stick and just, anticipation and i think he's uh, making good progress there anytime we talk to somebody about lucas reichel obviously they ooze about how good of a player he is but then they also talk about what great of a teammate he is what type of a learner he is mark bernard had numerous amount of good things to say how much easier does he make your job it seems like he's just a sponge out there and all he cares about is getting better yeah i mean i think that's one of his strengths as a player and as a person you know he's got a smile on his face every day it seems like and he, he just like you said he really he's he he loves the feedback he, he craves the feedback and and when you throw something at him or you're trying to help him out in a certain area of his game he really uh, he's able to apply it uh quickly on on the ice we're going to ask you about a bunch of defensemen here because uh, there have been a bunch of defensemen who have had their taste of the NHL here with the Blackhawks but uh, have also gotten that uh, drive back and forth on I-90 <laughs> between Chicago and Rockford here. But in general, uh, when we're, we're talking about some of these guys, the Kalanucks and the Mitchells and the Bodans and the, and the Regulas who have had that taste of the NHL, uh, how has it been managing their hunger to want to get back here and at the same time uh, letting them know that there is still some business that they need to take care of in order to get back here full-time that must be done at the AHL level? Yeah, I, I think I, I can't say enough about all those guys. They really are, you know, they're young they're young you know, kids, so to speak, and they're young players. And I think they recognize there are certain areas of their game that has to improve to play their full time. And I think that's why it's been good for them also to be up there to get a taste of it and realize, okay, this is, this is a big boy league. This is what I got to work on. And they've been really, they've been really embracing it. Right. And I, I think that the the management and the staff up there has also done a great job of explaining to those guys what they need to work on, which, which obviously helps our job out down here. We're talking with Anders Sorensen, head coach of the Rockford Ice Hogs and the Blackhawks organization. Anders, Brett Connolly seems like he really has made quite the impact on some of the younger players or pretty much anyone on that Rockford roster. I know Lucas Reichel was saying some good things about him. They were on the same line. But what types of things was Brett Connolly doing that was kind of helped molding these younger players? Yeah, you know, he was great for us, especially at the start of the year. And, and the biggest thing, it was just he came in and he was a pro and he was attitude, right? I mean, sometimes when you get put in that situation, I think, you know, he showed no sign of, of any negativity. It was positive. He helped the young guys out. I know he, he sat next to Lucas in the locker room and, and you know, he's talking to those guys every day. And it, it, it was everything from just about how to handle themselves on the ice and off the ice. And, you know, I know when you have that type of experience to be able to have that guy in the locker room to pass on to those guys, I think it was an absolutely almost a dream start for us as a staff, too, to have him around with those young guys. Tell me a little bit more on, on uh, you know, Ian Mitchell's been on the, the, the taxi squad, going back to Rockford, had a, a handful of games here up at the uh, NHL level once again after he got a huge taste of what the big boy, uh, big boy league is like last year. Uh, how has he been progressing in your eyes this year? 
Yeah, I think, you know what, he, he's made some really positive strides, I think, on both ends, you know, both with the puck and without the puck. You know, I think that just when you're in that situation, kind of like you described, you're up and down. I think it's 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 hard sometimes on a player, both, you know, mentally and confidence-wise. And uh, But I think he's been handling it really well. And, um, I, you know, he, he's another guy. He's just a sponge, right? He, he craves that, that constantly. And, you know, for him, it, it's more so like finding a, what type of player he's going to be in the NHL. You know, I think that he's had some success both in college and in the American League in, a, in an offensive role. And, you know, I think he can provide some of that up top too. But at the end of the day, he's going to have to defend first, especially in the NHL, right? So I think that uh, that part of the game has really come along here. How have you been able to connect with uh, Arvid Soderblom, and what do you like about him? <laughs> you know, that kid is, you know, he's hes a stud, I think. I think he's really uh, uh, just, uh, he, he's a very uh, motivated and focused young man. You know, he, he came in here right off the bat, and he, he had a purpose. You can see it in his eyes. You can see the way he approaches practices. Very similar to when we had Kevin Lincoln down here. I remember it was the same thing. Very focused, very detail-orientated. Uh, works great with Peter Aubrey, our, uh, our goalie coach and assistant coach we have. And I think they're, you know, he, like I said, his athleticism combined with the way he approaches his development and how much he how he wants to get better is, is obviously a great attribute to have for any player, but that's really his strength. Uh, Philip Kershev was recently sent down, and he only spent three games down there. But since he's come back, uh, he seems to have been, uh, or seems to have become, uh, you know, a, a much more comfortable, much more improved player. What are those conversations like when, you know, uh, uh, Derek and, and and Kyle ring you up and say, "Hey, we're we're going to send Philip down." Uh, you know, uh, we want him to get you know some playing time in all situations, and. What do you then? I mean, is it is it player specific on on what you focus on? Because since spending just three games down there, uh, he seems to have been seems to have become a uh, uh, much larger contributor here uh, with with just three games under his belt down there in Rockford. Yeah, I mean, you got to give Philip credit, right? He came down same thing. Came down with an approach of, of like he was positive about it. He wanted to play. He wanted to play more minutes, and and both Derek and Kyle told me he needs, you know, he's got to play minutes, and and we have a relationship with Philip from from the past when he was with us, so I think it was fairly easy transition to uh, getting him in those games and playing with some offensive players, and you know he played power play and he played I think twenty plus minutes in each of those games, right? And did, for some of those offensive players, I think it's a lot of just finding their confidence again with the puck and feeling the puck and getting the touches and getting put in situations where you're going to score. And, you know, he did that for us, and I thought he was great. And I think just, you know, got his confidence back up, and he's been rolling ever since, it seems like. Rockford's next three games are at home, hosting the Texas Stars on the 21st and the 22nd, and then the Iowa Wild on the 26th. Head coach Anders Sorensen. Anders, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Anders. All right, some great stuff from Anders Sorensen. We will uh, wrap this all up. We've got a few more things to cover and uh, maybe a little Les Grobstein talk, too, from Chris Bowden, who's got some insight. You're listening to Blackhawks Live here on 720 WGN. Speaking of dreams, 
After Blackhawks Live, Mark Carmen and I will be joining up. And, That's uh, dreamy. <laughs> bridging the airwaves to Northwestern basketball, so uh, stay tuned for that. Or don't, but no, please do. I, I, I see Mark in the uh, adjoining studio. Looking, he's, he's hard at work. Yeah, he's something. He's doing all the You're prep. You're not sure what it's going to be, though. Exactly. He's doing all the prep because I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, I was uh, getting ready for this Join show. Join the club. Just kind of like <laughs> Blackhawks Live every week. Yeah. Turn on the we're red light little, and see what we happens. We at least know what we think we're going to talk about. That's true. And, and, and at least. We know the topic. And, and a guest. Again, thank you for Andrew Sorensen and the Blackhawks for getting that squared away. Uh, this is Blackhawks Live. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Again, next week will be another Tuesday night show as the Blackhawks will be in Colorado on Monday, but we'll have three games to talk about at that time as the Hawks are going to host Minnesota on Friday, visit Minnesota on Saturday, and then again visit Colorado for the first time since the season opener all Mm -hmm. the way back on, what was it, October 14th? Well, they did have Colorado come in here a few weeks ago. Right, right. Heartbreaking Heartbreaking finish. Yeah, yeah. That, that was... Uh, the Kale McCarr game. Well, uh, the radio world and the Chicago sports world got rocked the other day with the news of... Uh, Les Grobstein passing away at the age of 69 years old, a staple in Chicago sports radio. And, you know, I only had one interaction with him. It was a pleasant one. Uh, I've listened to him over the years, growing up wanting to do this and always hearing him on the airwaves. But, Chris, I know you've known him a lot more, known him a lot longer, and probably have a few stories to share. Well, yeah, the Grobber was a unique dude. Uh, (laughs) But uh, but at the same time, he was Chicago through and through. And, Mm Um, you know, from from a career standpoint, uh, when I was trying to break into the business, he was kind of the example that a lot of us, the Joniaks, the Canellises, um, you know, uh, the Schusters at the time, he was a Chicago guy, um, a, a Chicago fan, uh, born and raised here, who got a job at a Chicago station right out of college and that's what all of us wanted to do and uh so from that aspect he was kind of the standard and and what we were all trying to achieve now Les was unique in his own special way because many times he was the foil um <laughs> whatever station he was on whether it was with you know Stephen Gary or Lou Jack I'm sure John Landecker here has his share of stories about Les too I think uh, I even caught a few minutes where he was he was talking about Les a little bit last night here on WGN but um uh a grinder uh amazing that he could be seemingly in five places at one time. And, you know, uh, any job that came up, he was game for, especially when it came to play-by-play. He, he never got the glorious gig, but he was there doing play-by-play for the likes of indoor soccer teams, for women's basketball teams, for UIC basketball and hockey, back when they had a hockey program at, at UIC, which was fun to watch back in the day back in the 80s and um you know uh less would the amazing part to me was that he'd be in season doing play-by-play and earlier that day he may be out covering one game go to his play-by-play event and then that night you know be covering something else and then the following morning be at a bears game so uh it seemed like less was everywhere at one time uh the hardest working man in Chicago sports radio. And um, on top of that, doing an overnight shift for five or six hours. Um, I mentioned this last night when I was, you know, uh, guesting on the radio down the dial. The fact that 
you don't have colors or very many colors or the colors that you get maybe half in the bag um, <laughs> and you don't have uh, tried and true guests at 3 a.m. in the morning to uh, be able to talk uh, for five hours and fill it up with the knowledge. Uh, he had an encyclopedia up in that noggin of his and uh, God bless him. Uh, the biggest thing he knew about less, you know, the jokes that he told weren't always funny. They were always more the eye rolling kind of jokes, but when it came down to it, a biggest heart uh, as anybody uh, out there. And, um, you know, even though he would be teased by a lot of people, uh, he was he was a very good man and very good at what he did. And he just seemed kind of like the uncle. He was of, the he was the rain man of Chicago yeah, sports radio. Yeah, just just what he was. knew everything at a drop of a hat. Yes, and you better question. know your stuff. If you're going to argue about something in Chicago sports history, you better be right if you were going to argue with him because more times than not, just about every time, uh, he was he was correct in his recall. That's exactly what John Weideman said in his uh, heartfelt tribute yesterday in Seattle. So uh, again, our thoughts and prayers go to Les Grobstein's friends and family, and uh, an icon in the Chicago radio world. That's going to do it for Blackhawks Live. He's Chris Bowden. I'm Joe Brand. Another big thanks to Anders Sorensen and for our producer Curtis Koch. We will talk to you next week, and the Hawks play Minnesota on Friday. Thanks for listening. Seven twenty WGN.